Welcome back, everybody. We are here. We are back. We are tired. We are figuring it out. This is another episode of ODAA, and I'm joined here with Patrick. We're going to talk a little bit about this time of year. Um, so we, uh, we know that this time of year is kind of when you're really starting to focus on those fall sports. Your vacations are ending. If you had one, you've done all your professional development for the summer, and you're really starting to get geared towards football. The athletics accounts are tweeting every day that there's only X amount of days left until the home opener. And you know that there's even less than that before camp starts. So if you are Olympic sports or kind of a director that deals with all of it, you're obviously working on those um, other fall sports as well. Whether it be the soccers, men's and women's volleyball. Those are usually some big ones that report uh, early similar to football. But really, if you're if you're a football person, which most of the people that listen to this are, um, that's you know the big beast. Pat, when you're getting ready for football stuff, were you one of the guys who liked to have everything logoed? If it was coming blank, if it wasn't coming with logos on it already, did you want everything logoed right off the bat to put in a, a cubby and a space saver, or were you one of the guys that just told your embellisher whoever it may be your screen shop embroider just hold on to all my winter stuff i don't want to see that stuff till october well it was funny we were talking about this literally right before we started that it's inevitable that every time you place your you know your futures orders that the first thing you get like the first box you open is going to be like sweatpants or hoodies like <laughs> Every single time, like it is the first thing you get. It's the first thing you open and it just pisses you off because you're like, this is not what I need right now. It's a hundred degrees outside. I don't want to worry about this. So, you know, for me, it was, let me take it to these guys and maybe they'll hold on to it. Or if it's like a small little like mom and pop, then, you know, it just it, it was a little bit situational. But for the most part, I tried to. Uh, schedule it out because not only are you taking stuff just specifically for football, but you're also trying to plan out every other sport. So, you know, soccer is always the, basically the first reporting team. So you want to make sure they have all their stuff too, but I wanted to try and get as much embellishment screen printing done as I possibly could before uh, guys report so that, yeah, you can put it back in a cubby. You could just throw it on a shelf, all your extras, um, but the last thing I always tried to worry about, and I would even hold it off to the side or, you know, whatever it may be, if you have a, a decent enough sized equipment room where you could like stick it in a corner, I'd hold my, mm-hmm. my travel stuff and my, uh, winter gear for the last thing I take. So I want to make sure that all practice stuff, all workout stuff and coaches practice stuff is done first, then game stuff and travel stuff kind of in one, you know, drop off so that, you know, my embellisher hates me because he just gets like, you know, 60 boxes and he's like, the hell are you doing? And then the last thing I always took was my winter gear just because, you know, cold weather stuff, because it's the last thing you're going to need. Otherwise it's literally just taking up space. You know, like I said, if you can stick it off to the side, cool. If not get it done, throw it on a player's shelf and then get the rest of it on the, you know, your kind of overflow shelves where it's just maybe not numbered or just extras. Cause you know, you're always going to need extras cause guys come change sizes. And that's another thing just, you know, cause it, it, I brought to my mind, I always hated 
whenever you know if, if it was a coach's decision if they wanted a player's number like screen printed on like the shorts or a shirt or something because it's inevitable that you get something numbered for somebody and they're like hey man these don't fit or this shirt doesn't fit can i go a size up or a size down and i'm just like well there's a waste like it's literally a wasted piece of apparel you can't do anything with it yeah i mean you can you can use acetate or whatever you have you can take it off the imprint's gonna I think it's like methylene chloride it's like do not touch skin does cause cancer um, yeah, it's gonna burn a hole in your in your body scary label yeah, yeah we actually used some i was using some one time at at jmu and some of the students were around i was like guys don't if you like we have this here don't touch this like let me show you what this does and we were taking a logo off something old and i didn't put a towel down and it was on a countertop I just poured a little bit thinking this isn't going to be a whole ordeal. Um, just showing them what it is. And when we moved it, the, uh, the finish on the counter was gone. There was like a little divot. It was like, it literally burned like a hole in the counter basically. And I was like, well, yeah, this is a prime example, but I don't know if yeah, you remember just real quick. I don't know if you remember at, at Georgia Southern, we usually, we used pipettes, like just the smallest amount to like drop mm-hmm. on it because that stuff is, yeah, it'll it, it's going to burn a hole in it. So it's not something you really want to use. It still leaves a little bit of residue from the glue anyway. But yeah, no, that stuff's scary. Yeah, it's one of those things where if you really need to, I mean, I've I've never really found like a very practical use for it. But it's one of those things that in a pinch, I've been at some small schools. And in a pinch, if you like Pat said, you've got that stuff where a kid change sizes three, four months later, they add a transfer kid and you're like, I got to order more stuff. All I've got in his size right now is a number 17 shorts. The kid change sizes. He's going to be number 51. I'll just burn this 17 off and put a 51 over the the residue and it won't be that noticeable. So it's like in a pinch type thing. You're much better off just ordering more shorts if you can afford to. But I will say I'm, I'm similar in, in, in your frustration that the first thing I saw this year was aside from, um, I did get some hats, but other than that, uh, the first thing I saw this year was hoodies, sweatpants, and socks. And I'm like, socks don't need a logo. Like they could, they could have came the week of. I don't care. But the um, the good thing that I always try to do, and and believe me, you small school guys and girls, I'm with you. I've been there. If you can bring student managers in in advance, a full week, if you can, if you can get them set up with a dorm, hotel, whatever your campus and football will pay for, whatever it is do it because early in my career i would bring kids in two or three days in advance we do one day of just getting to know each other and showing them you know this is the equipment room this is where things are we do one day of setting up the practice field bringing all the equipment back over from wherever we stored it and then we do one day of really hitting it hard right before the players got there getting everything settled i love bringing them in sooner so if i my big goal now is and I'm gonna fall short of that this summer. I, I can admit, but my big goal now is to always get as much as you can for games and practices because you're always gonna have those picture day, photo shoots, whatever it is, where coaches are gonna need their stuff for the season in August for that uh, earlier than you would want. Mm-hmm. We'll say that. So I'm gonna, I want to get as much of that back from the screen printer embroiderer as I can before the students get there because usually. And the reason I say bring them in a week before camp is usually teams are sending players off a week before camp and giving them that one week off from summer workouts 
to then bringing them back in for fall camp. Well, that's your week where coaches are out for the most part. They may be back doing meetings, gearing up for camp, but they're not going to bother you too much. But players are gone, so that means workouts are over. There's no laundry to do. There's no summer practices to set up for. You've got a full staff of student managers, you and the gear. And you can really get organized. You can get prepared. So if all that stuff's already back from getting logoed or if you're lucky enough that it comes logoed, you've got it all in, it's a good chance for your students to be heat pressing numbers if you have to do that or names in the back of them if you've got labels for that putting them in their space savers, their issue bins, whatever it is you use, uh, getting their cleats and shoes and all that ready, organizing the locker room. All that's a great time, and you've just got a bunch of uh, busy bees and student managers that really will expedite that process. If you're a small school person and you don't have a big student staff or any student staff, I feel for you, but that's still, if you can aim to get everything back by then, that gives you, by your lonesome, you know, a good, quiet if you will, week to, to try to get all the finishing touches put on it. Yeah. And you know, it, it makes you think about too, the little things like that little week period that you have. Um, that would be the time where I would have my guys getting players game loops ready and, you know, um, game cleats. So like before that, when I, when your players are getting ready to arrive, if you can get your student managers there like a day early, because really all you need is like the night before, you know, to start issuing everything out because you don't want to put stuff out early because inevitably a guy's going to get his stuff and be like, oh, I don't have this. And then you're going to be pissed off because, you know, you gave it to him. So you have yeah. like ch- checklists on everybody like they get this shoe, this cleat, but are this shirt, this short, these compression shorts. And you're just going down the list and you have like a, you know, an awesome assembly line of students. And then you have just a mountain of shoe boxes for, you know, workout shoes or um, cleats or everything, you know, practice cleats, whatever it may be. And then you also have to figure out, well, if we have a practice cleat and a game cleat, when do I issue the game cleats out to these guys during camp so that they can start breaking them in a little bit? Because you don't want to put a guy mm-hmm. out there in a fresh cleat because if he hurts his foot, then coach is going to kill you. <laughs> or, you know, like yeah. game and practice helmets, the same thing, going through getting those ready. And if you are lucky enough to have a practice helmet, when do you decide to start prepping those game helmets and decaling and getting them all ready to go? Yeah, all all of that is, is a lot of logistical things to think about and prepare for in camp. Camp is terrible in that it's long days and and you know you may be working six a.m. to ten p.m. and and for a month straight with very little days off. And when you're off, you're preparing for a season, so you're still going in and doing stuff. But the good thing about those long days and long hours and having your students there and um, is that it gives you plenty of time to get things done while you're waiting on laundry that you'll do twenty times a day for different workouts and practices and yada 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 walkthroughs. You, um, you've got students there helping you do it, and there's plenty of tasks around the room to, to give them for that, whether it's preparing game loops, packing trunks. That's another big one to do during the summer if, uh, during summer camp if you haven't already done it over the summer. But just getting all that new stuff um, in there because your number one concern right now, if you're really busy, is not going to be game gloves. You're not worried about that right now. You're worried about getting them to the field in August. So once camp starts and they're to the field, you've got all that handled. Um, 
that's when you start really trying to get ready for that first game. And, and the good thing is you've got that whole month to do it where you're up there a lot. I will say one good thing to, to try if you do have an issue of, well, we don't really have big issue bins or issue bins at all. And I'm, I can't put all the guys stuff in the locker room because they'll just take each other's clothes before the other one gets there. And then they'll say they didn't get it. Da, da, da. Have a sign out sheet. Just do yourself a favor. If you've got an uh, assistant or students or someone that can, just kind of work the back with you. Stage all the guys' stuff on a shelf, face saver, whatever you have in the room, and then make the guys come up and say, Scott Smith, you know, number 32, and then sign out for it saying, you got this, 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 and this, and hand it to them in a pile, in a book bag, whatever they get. And then you've got their signature saying, yeah, I received all this stuff. That's a good way to do it. Because it, it, if you do just put it all out in the locker room, we both know, there's a legitimate chance that somebody's going to come up and say, I didn't get a shirt. And they may not have gotten that shirt because someone else's girlfriend might have that shirt. Yeah. But I mean, not that it's not like, uh, you know, rampant thing that happens in the locker room all the time, but there's, it's inevitability that somebody is either going to get messed with where they like hide their stuff or, or just somebody takes it. It's you never know control what you can control. And like, you don't have proof that that kid, did not get that thing so it's easier because once you put it out there and everyone shows up it's out of your control so control what you can have them sign that stuff out and not so much to cover yourself as it is just to cover the athletes making sure everyone gets what they need for day one because that's the last thing you want is kids to be panicked and you to be doing extra work because you've got to find them more stuff and they're like am i going to have what i need so just take the variables out help yourself on the front end yeah and then too you know you you get everybody ready and you get into day one and hopefully there's the least amount of problems and this does we haven't even talked about you know getting making sure everybody's helmets fit properly and and chin straps because there's going to be a million chin strap adjustments and or guys wanting air or whatever it may be um visors on visors off because it's hot and they can't see now or can't breathe and it's just going to be a disaster it's always a dumpster fire those first couple of days but the one thing i always tried to take advantage of is when i had my you know student managers around in between workouts or practices or god forbid two a days um Mm -hmm. when they're doing laundry in between waiting for you know cycles to flip we're getting stuff squared away for you know say game gear or stocking the shelves getting everything ready starting to pack trunks I think that's a big thing that I always took time to do, but then like, Hey, let's pack these trunks with all of the new stuff, maybe cycle some things out, but I'm also going to have us recheck it anyways. You know, that first game week, just because I, you never know, you know what I mean? Like you just want to make sure, but you want to start taking care of some of these other things that, so you're not pressed later. So it gives you an opportunity and then it also keeps them busy. But you want to keep them busy, but you don't want to work them too hard. So you got to like try to balance that in the downtime. I always had guys bring like playstations or Xboxes, and like there'd be you know whatever days, like every other day, I'd just be like, all right, you know, just go hang out while you do laundry, do whatever you want. I dominated my JMU students and some Mario Kart on the Switch uh, during camp. They wanted no part of it. Um, Mark, uh, we've talked to, about Mark a good bit on here, but my assistant at JMU, Mark, he wanted no part of it. Um, I am the champion at Mario Kart and everyone else can eat my, uh, my turtle. 
Um, so <laughs> the, uh, but no, that is fun. There's good team bonding that can be had. If you have a big enough staff, um, do, do shifts. If you're new to this, I mean, I don't know who would be new to this that wouldn't have worked as a student and probably gone through the same thing, but if you can split them up, have a morning and a night shift. So like you practice in the morning and have a walkthrough at night, you know, have half your kids stay behind and do that practice laundry and pass it out, get things ready for the walkthrough and then let them go home. So they've got the night off and then have the other half come back after that practice and work the walkthrough. But they get to go as soon as practice is over and kind of have the afternoon to go by the pool or nap or whatever. And then just rotate like the next week, flip them. So just just do that. It gives them a little bit of sanity. You've got to be there, you know, for 15, 16 hour days all month, whatever the case may be. Your, you know, assistant, if you've got one, will have to do the same thing. But the students are, are the ones that you've really got to keep their morale high because you need them to be working hard because if they're working hard they're taking pressure off of you and you don't have to necessarily work as hard for all 16 hours so help yourself by helping them and um work them work them sparingly yeah and you also have to to know that you know there's going to be a balance regardless where you know yeah the main focus the most work intensive sport is football during this time but who knows if something for a soccer or volleyball might come up where they're going to give you a call and just be like, Hey, we need this. So have, you know, a good assistant and good students around you where you've, you know, taught them enough where they can kind of be self-sufficient. Right. So, you know, whenever you have a bunch of new guys, you want to bring them in, have your, you know, your head student kind of teach them and, and bring them along, learn them up a little bit, if you will. And, when you have to kind of walk away and go help other sports, or if you've got to run up to meetings with the coaching staff, you don't want to have to worry about, um, you know, them not being productive down, down in the equipment room or just in general, like, I don't want to have to sit and tell you guys what we have to do every day. Like you should, you should know after a certain point, or you should know if I've given you a task list that here's where the list of things to do that day will be. Check it, get it done. Um, that's a big one. And one thing I will say, I learned this pretty early on uh, at Stetson, first time being a director in charge of all the sports and, and doing all that good stuff, was your your soccers, your volleyballs, I'm using those because they're going to be reporting around the same time as football. They're, they're not going to come to you very often, more often than not. Those are going to be lower maintenance coaches in the grand scheme of things. Football is high maintenance because football – kind of needs to be it's it's a sport where there's a lot of um history and having equipment managers if you want to put it that way so they they know what they are and they know how to use them but also it's it's a more dangerous sport if you will and it ha- it's more equipment intensive so you know you kind of have to have an equipment manager at a practice to fix a helmet if it breaks for instance soccer it's it's more of like a luxury if they can have somebody out there so at most schools, if your soccer person comes up to you or volleyball comes up to you in August and asks for one simple thing, it may take you two hours to do it. But you have to put it in perspective of I'm, I'm an employee of athletics as a whole, not just football. And when you look at it, football's asking me for 80 hours a week right now and soccer just asked for two. Yep. Yeah, it, it may be annoying because it's unexpected, but like these coaches don't ask for much. So you need to make sure you're helping them. And yeah, and you got to make them feel like a priority, right? Yeah, 
yeah, when I'm working for you, when you're in the room talking to me, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm not doing anything else. You're the most important sport of the school. And that's the kind of service you need to give them. And, and you, you got to be willing to help those sports, even if they don't come in and talk to you all the time. And, and that's, that's in both of our soccer teams and, and our volleyball team for that matter. We had really good coaches and good assistant coaches and they came down and we had personal relationships with them. Um, we liked them. They were, they were good people. So you wanted to help them when they ask you for stuff. But even if that wasn't the case, you have to understand these, these sports aren't asking you for much, not in comparison. Even if you've got a high maintenance soccer staff that you see once a day and they want you to order something or they want you to count something, what's it going to take you an hour? That's what, seven hours a week compared to football. You're at every practice, you're at every game, you're doing all this stuff. Like it's, yes, it's more on you and it may be unreasonable, but you need to do what you can for those low maintenance sports because they're not asking for much. And while you may say you're at a school with 18 sports, football can love you and admin can hear your praises from the football staff. But if 17 other sports like this person doesn't want to help me do anything, my stuff's not ready for camp. Our kids got here and I, they didn't have any gear to get issued because it wasn't logoed yet. They're out at football practice instead of, sitting there logoing my stuff or, you know, issuing, making time to issue our stuff to the kids. They won't just let me give it to them. They want them to sign a checkoff sheet, but they're never in the office to let them do it. Da, 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 da. You got 17 voices to your AD that are saying this guy's not taking care of us. And one, albeit football, that's saying you are. So just try to make sure you keep things in perspective as this time gets busier and as more people are, are asking you for stuff. Yeah. I mean, that really kind of wraps it up for that, you know, part of it. I think we could probably take it to a quick break, but the one last thing I do want to say is I'm so glad that I am not getting ready for a football game this year cuz <laughs> Scott's shaking his head and gesturing things to me right now. Um no, I mean it's as much as I, you know, miss being around college athletics and miss doing the different things that we got to do and the awesome things we get to experience and, and be around, you know, just the sport itself. Uh, it's so much of a headache, like, you know, late recon and getting sweatpants first and just trying to, to, to balance your schedule and, and not lose your, lose your damn mind as you go through it. But my God, well, it's I so mean, much work. And, and trying to to move your house at the same time and everything else. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling it right now. But I'm, I'm if you are an equipment manager that works with football and you haven't at least once seen a tweet from your athletic department saying, only this many more days, or can football season hurry up already? If you haven't looked at those tweets at least once in your career and been like, shut the heck up, you're a liar. You are lying. <laughs> Well, the, the cool thing that, that Richmond always did is, you know, once everybody got back to campus, it was literally like every year, every year, it was right in the middle of camp. They were like, hey, the whole staff, we're going to take you down to King's Dominion. You get a free ticket if you want to go. And it's like, awesome. You guys have fun. They're like, oh, Pat, yeah. why aren't you going? Like every year, like every year was inevitable. Somebody come down, hey, you going to King's Dominion? I'm like, no. Oh, well, why not? Sports. <laughs> sports are happening <laughs> like, i have three teams here on campus working out right now you, what do you think i can do inevitably it's, it's a pretty quiet building at the moment other than the construction we have going on 
and inevitably I'll have some coaches come back that'll be like, how was your vacation? Where'd you go? And be like, I've been here the entire month. Yeah. Been, been working. Yeah, it is what it is. And they're like, I'll Hey, enjoy your weekend. Like, have fun. And I'm like, it'll be working. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, um, it's going to be a good January. I'm, I'm going to say, I don't know who you guys have got covering these recruiting setups. Somebody's going to cover it, whether it be my assistant or some students. Somebody's going to go up there and tell these kids how much gear we give them. But at some point in January, in the middle of winter, I'm booking a cruise. There you go. And I'm paying for the dream package. Hey, that was <laughs> part. Anybody's welcome to join. I'll let you know on air where we're going. I'll, I'll tell you the cruise liner number, whatever the heck it is. It's not a flight. I don't know. I'll let you know where we're going. We'll, we'll have an ODAA uh, cruise set up. Nice. Pat, get on it. Get on the details. That's what I do. Make make the t-shirts. We're getting there. <laughs> All right. We'll take it to a quick break, guys. All right, welcome back, guys. We're going to talk a little bit about um, uniforms and some specialty stuff that usually comes up around this time, and maybe you're just starting to plan it or you've been planning it for a decade, <clears throat> Nick Detterman. Um, but, you know, just you have, like, military appreciation. If there's a, you know, throwback game that you want to do or wear, like, some type of throwback uniform, some type of memorial game that you have, just there's always these different things that come up and it's a way for you to, you know, do something cool, do something different. Um, but the first thing I do want to say and, you know, at least start this conversation with is if you were to just have new uniforms this year, just like new homes, new ways. Are you doing a uniform reveal? Are you trying to, you know, get your guys jacked up about it, you know, as they come in for camp? Or is that something you try to hold on to a little bit or maybe the first time they see it is for picture day? So, yeah. Scott, you can go ahead and at least start off a little bit. Your experience with new uniforms, you've deal- been dealing with this at a bunch of different schools as well. Um, what? How do you like to approach, you know, new home and away jerseys? You know, it's you got to know your guys. Some, I mean, I think a lot of people listen to this will will relate that sometimes you can have a meeting room full of guys, the whole team. You can walk out brand new uniforms, something where it could be the University of Alabama that's never done anything, you know, really crazy. And you can walk in there with an all black uniform and the guys may either lose their minds and it'd be a really cool thing to video and get the experience. Or you could walk in there and they just may be like, okay, you, it just depends on your group. Some, some groups get crazy about stuff like that. Other groups of guys are just like, okay. So, um, you got to know your guys and if, if it's going to be worth it to do something like that. For me personally, I always thought it was cool if they didn't know anything about it until they came in on that game day, if possible. So like if it's, if it's the same helmet shell, um, not something you've got to fit for them. It's just a decal for maybe the helmet. That's obviously cool. Um, I've done it where guys have just showed up. And there's been this crazy decal and brand new uniform tops and bottoms and they freaked out. And that was a really cool and satisfying thing. I've also done it where 
So at JMU, we unveiled the gray uniforms one year while I was there. And the guys had it shown to them. I want to say it was at a team meeting the week of the game. And then we rolled out their helmets and they broke them in that week and, and just got comfortable with them, adjusted air, chin straps, the whole, you know, fun stuff that you usually do during camp. And we did all that. But the actual uniforms, when they got released to the fans, was not until um, that week. I don't think we had media there. It's been a couple of years. I can't remember. But I know we did a uniform reveal on like Friday to the fans. And we'd already done a photo shoot with one of our grad assistants who played there, was still young and shaped like a football player. So we put him in the full uniform during camp. So right now, during this time, we're planning on those releases. Um, I know of some uniforms, both at you know places I've worked and, and stuff like that, that are new and in the works right now. And I don't know when they'll be released, but it's always something that it's it's a big partnership between usually your head coach, maybe your athletic director, but then the equipment staff and your marketing slash sports information department that will kind of be a collective. Okay. Well, when do we want to do this? How do we want to unveil it? And for me personally, it's always cool if you could have the guys walk into the locker room and have no idea that they're walking into something special. Yeah, absolutely. You want to make it something truly special for them. And yet while a, a reveal to the players or, you know, if it's a if it's a brand new helmet that you need them to kind of break in a little bit, they might have to to see it yeah. at least the shell beforehand. Um, but you want to do everything you can to try to not give away, you know, like the best part of it until they walk in on game day. And then it's the same thing for the fans, you know, with your SID and your marketing teams. You want to try to promote it a little bit just like hey military appreciation week we have a special uniform coming yeah and then let them do maybe a you know take some pictures of the helmet or whatever it may be beforehand so they can have them that they can release them on game day but you don't yeah. want that stuff ideally you know preferably you wouldn't want that stuff getting out until the day of the game you know like when yeah. uh, when i was at um when I was at Richmond, we did the, for the first time in a long time, a new de- you know, a couple, a new helmet and a couple different styles of decal on the, on the helmet. Players loved it. You know, it was the first thing they saw when they came in their first game at, at Maryland, we got drugged, but they still enjoyed it. Cause it was, it was something different. And then we came out with a white helmet and they lost their minds and they didn't get to see it. Until, you know, they had to wear the helmet, but they didn't get to see it with the decals on it until that game day. So just trying to get those guys excited. You know, it's they they get all jacked up about that stuff. Usually, like you said, there are some teams that are just like, cool. Can we just go play like, yeah, I just want to hit some guys that uh, and and we dealt with it a little bit there at the end um, at JMU when. With Coach Houston, I mean, we were mixing stuff up so much. We had four different helmets, four tops, four bottoms. And that year, we actually, um, so we wore those grays. We wore the gray helmets twice and then sent them back off, had them repainted mid-year to purple. So we wore a fifth helmet color. We wore it in the first round of the, or second round of the playoffs. We ended up losing. But when we showed them to the guys, when they came back, it was a different purple than they'd ever worn. It was a different face mask than they'd worn on that. 
and they weren't expecting to see it because they all knew, oh, well, we got these great helmets this year. That was the purple. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they were surprised that we painted them back in the middle of the year. Um, so was I. And <laughs> and they, uh, but they just didn't get up for it. They were surprised. They're like, oh, crap. And then, like, we lost the game. So, like, it was whatever. Now, on the other hand, the next year, new coach comes in, and we wore the same combo every week. If you were at home, it was white, purple, white. If you were on the road, it was white, white, purple. Like, you wore two different pants, two different jerseys, and the same helmet with the same decal every week. Now, that same team, it's pretty much the same players as the last year that just didn't get that hype for a, for a purple helmet. Um, they hated the gold helmet, and that was our practice helmet. That was the traditional helmet. They, you know, they were sick of seeing it, basically. So they never wanted to wear it for games in the past. Well, there was homecoming, and Coach calls me up to his office, and we'd re-decaled, at this point, all of the white helmets. They were ready to go for the game. And we even put out all their uniforms, and he says, hey, can we switch it up and just do the, like, gold, purple, purple? Because it's homecoming, and it's like an old look. You're like, I mean... The guys have been wearing them for practice. They've been broken in. We wore them all camp. It's not a big issue. Yeah, we can. But at that point, they hadn't been cleaned in a month. Like, <laughs> I mean, we'd clean the insides, but we're not like decal, re-decaling these things. I don't know if they even had decals at all, but we're not really worried too much about scuffs on the outside of it. As long as they're sanitary, we're like, cool, we're never going to wear these in a game. Uh, psych. So we went through, and I think we stayed till like 10 o'clock at that point after we'd already gotten the locker room ready for one game, turned around and got it ready for a different one. But the players walked in, kids who never wanted to wear gold, they always wanted to wear black, everything, whatever, got so hyped up over gold, purple, purple, just because it wasn't white, purple, white. So I think you have to know your team. If you're switching it up all the time, they're going to just be like, okay, this is another new thing. It's cool but it's another new thing. But if you're a team like in Alabama and you show up and you've got an all black uniform, kids at Alabama's jaws are going to fall off their faces. Like, like they should, but yeah, I mean, that'll probably never happen, but yeah, that's (laughs) right. Right. Exactly. But that's, that's where you've got to know your audience there. You can only wow them so many times. And likewise with your fan base, if you can really pull a ruse on somebody, that's cool. But Keep your fans happy. Just make sure if you've got tradition, you're always tipping a cap to it. You know, I mean, Marshall's got this, you know, white helmet. They've always worn it. They've got green uniforms, white uniforms. Same with the pants. They've always done it. They bring out the black uniforms, and it's not something that was necessarily always in their rotation, but they've got the the anniversary of the crash in the back of the helmet, the plane crash from 1970. And that's the, they wear it to honor that team. And so your fan base is okay. We're wearing all black. We wear it on the anniversary of the crash, that game. Like you, as long as you're tipping your cap and you're being respectful, you can get away with, Hey, this is a good look for our team. We're going to switch it up with it, but we're going to do it in a respectful way. And the, the Alabamas of the world can, can get by if, if that's how you're doing it. But Always keep in mind your fan base. They write the checks and try to do as much for your players as you can because they score the touchdowns. Yeah, and the one thing that, you know, if you have the type of fan base that buys a lot of apparel, which 
it's some it really doesn't happen all that often some it happens a lot it depends on your on your bookstore too where if you're at nike school and the majority of stuff they sell is under armor you're looking at them like stop buying under armor please buy more nike please like they have retail stuff specifically for this or if you're like a university of georgia fan it's just whatever walmart sells so it's it's russell you know it's different things like that because they don't actually have like alumni. Most of their fans just go to Walmart and buy Georgia stuff. I'm not touching that one. Um, I mean, it's similar for the Carolina in in Duke in yeah. the state of North Carolina. Like, can tell you but how yes. many times you're walking around campus of like Georgia Southern seeing Georgia stuff, or walking around campus at App State seeing Carolina stuff, and you're just like, "Don't say we if you didn't go there. If you're one of those yeah. people, stop it." But <laughs> to your point. Yes, anytime you can, like, the perfect example is, is um, all these teams that makes the playoff. They'll release the stuff with the, uh, it'll have, like, that diamond, shiny, whatever you want to call it, mirrored-looking Nike check, and it'll have the college football playoff, national championship, whatever logo stuff. People go out and buy that. So anytime you're doing special games, if, if you've got Army, I think, does it the best. They're when, amazing when, about it. When West Point does does their military army navy game whatever military um unit they're honoring that year it's all that stuff rolls out on nike.com and i mean it gets bought up like crazy i don't know the numbers on it nick might not even know because it's the retail side of nike but that stuff sells really well and it's cool and it's tempting for me to buy every year but still waiting on just a care package of all that stuff (laughs) but they uh it's really good and it's really well coordinated. Um, Nike, I know, does a really good job with that. But um, yeah, back to the uniform stuff. I think right now, Pat, would you say that you are too focused on camp and that first game to really worry about that stuff, or would you rather knock out memorial stuff or or blackout or what military appreciation, whatever you're doing, would you rather knock that out in the summer so that it's done or would you rather focus on what's at hand first? And then once you get to camp or maybe even into the season, you start saying, Hey, Healy, ADI, whoever school pride, I need these decals. Can we get some proofs? Can we do this? Da, da, da. When would you start that process? Well, I think part of it depends on your coaching staff. I like yeah. to have those conversations in the off season, like, Hey, for next year, do you want to do a military appreciation? Do you want to do some type of throwback game? Let's talk about this now so that one, yeah. we can, we can plan it and I can start planning it. And so that I can maybe get some sample decals in from, you know, from Healy. That was my, that was my go-to hitting up my buddy, Mark. I'd just be like, Hey, can you do something like this? And I could just, I could literally just give him an idea and he would send me, you know, proofs of like three different styles of what I came up with. And just be like, hey, let's let's make this work. And then he'd send out some samples. We'd do it on a bunch of different shells, working with, you know, Riddell or Shut, trying to get just some different colored shells in. And mm-hmm. you know, I so for me, I personally, I liked to take care of a lot of that stuff during the off season. Now, if something were to come up and you're like mid season, and coach goes, hey, I want to do this, right? Then you're like, all right, well, let's scramble, and I can get something in quickly. But I would like, I mean, two weeks yeah. is, is my minimum there. Like, I, I can't do it, like, this week. Unless we already know and we've already been working on this. Like, 
we need a little bit of time. If it's just a decal, then you can get it done in a week and whatever. Yeah. But if we're talking like changing, like getting different helmets or different color helmets or doing, you know, something that's outlandish, then I would need a few weeks to get it done. That's just that. I mean, the time frame of doing it all, you know what it's like, just the ordering and hoping there's inventory for everything. And there's, yeah, that's a whole process. But yeah, I mean, to your question, personally, I did not like having to be late working on that in terms of like during camp. Hey, let's let's balance getting everything ready for game one anyway. And also on the side, be working on this. I would prefer, I did prefer to do that in the off season and it gives you more time to play with it too. You know what I mean? Definitely does. And I I think it's, there's something to be said about planning really far and ahead um, for that. But also there was something about, because I would much rather have this stuff planned out and that's, like we got the, for example, we got the gray helmets and the gray uniforms. We got all that stuff in in June or July, and it was ready to go. You know, middle of camp, we could have played with it. Mm-hmm. That was easy. That was great. The purple helmets that we got repainted. That was a after the second game. Coach was like, "I'm kind of over those. Can we go back to purple?" And it's like, well, six, six weeks, but yeah. So we did it, and it was like a last minute thing, but also what we ended up getting that FCS uniform of the year award for was a big crown on the side of the helmet. That that was literally like in two weeks, it was like, okay, well, what should we do for this whiteout game? Like he doesn't want to do what they usually did, which was just the JMU. So we're sitting there thinking about it. And it's like, well, what if we just took the crown off this logo? Could we get that graphic artist to work on that? Okay. Well, what about this? How much would this cost coach? This is what this is. Do you want to do it? Sure. Go ahead. They came the Friday before the game. And we stayed all night doing it. So you're like, that's hectic. But at the same time, like something exciting about it, I guess. But I, yeah, it's not my preference, but I guess every now and then I'm okay with it is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But then, then you also get into, you know, bowl season. Now we didn't plan this out ahead of time. Usually it was more along the lines of let's make sure we're bowl eligible first, obviously. And once you know you are bowl eligible, now it's going to be a little different based on the the bowl game that you're playing in. So, like, when I was at Cincinnati, we got the military bowl, right? And so we played at Navy Stadium. On the back of the helmet, we had a decal for every branch of the United States military. So, you know, that was just something we added knowing that. But we played in the, you know, Belk Bowl the year before that, and we added or we did like hydrographics, like a chrome red dipped helmet. And I've talked about this before where the, the, all the, um, C paws on the side of the helmet came in crooked and we had to get a second run of them sent to us blank. And we got a decal made and that was just a whole thing. Getting those ready during that week of practice at the, uh, at location. Um, but yeah, I think for, for bowl games now, Clemson, Alabama, and, and those teams pretty much know what's going to be happening heading into these situations. Like, hey, we're probably going to be playing in the playoff. If not, we're going to be in a major bowl. So they probably can and plan it out a little earlier if they were to do something different. It doesn't seem like they really do, especially, obviously, Bama. But, you know, you're not throwing something different out there. Too, 
Right. And I think a lot of that too is handled by Nike as well. It seems oh, like a lot of the stuff those guys are wearing are the same. And it's usually like authentics items for next year. Some of yeah. them anyway. I've seen some of those travel suits were the same as what they would give like the Super Bowl teams. And it was like, oh, we just tried that on and ordered that. So, I mean, a lot of that is it's good where Nike sends you that stuff. It's like things that you don't realize at a bigger school for you small school guys is like a lot of your stuff Nike will tell you like what logos you're putting on it. Even if it doesn't come in logoed, it's this is going to match retail. That's your only option. Well, yeah, and that's what you're not having to design as much. And when you're sending stuff to embellishment, you're you're literally telling them match retail, right? Like they have the catalog too, because a lot of the stuff, depending on what your embellisher does, they're dealing with some of the retail versions of things anyway. So that's part of what you're doing. Um, and I think that makes a big difference, especially like for those bigger schools come bowl season. Like, yes, they really are getting authentics for the next year. And they're kind of like that test period where making sure things like fit right and they look right and all of that. So, you know, there's a process all involved with it. Uh, you know, I'm not extremely well versed on what really goes into all of that, but I think the, the planning of the bowl stuff, you, you don't jump the gun until you're bowl eligible. At least that's what we do, did. Like we, we always made sure that like, Hey, we got that six win. Okay. Now we can start. Now we can start planning. Probably going to have the order ready to go. And once we get it, I'm just going to hit send. <laughs> Where I don't think I'm going to wait very long on that. It'll be. Well, I mean, sometimes Nike would wait. Charge. So well, sometimes Nike gonna... would have like their stuff, and they'd you know wait till you were bowl eligible to kind of like send over like your essentially like bowl catalog. Like there was mm-hmm. some like specific travel suits and whatnot that they would always have, or you know like a different style of glove, or just mm-hmm. a different look. And and then they'd send it to you like when your team becomes bowl eligible. Like so, I mean, like I remember that back when I was at Nevada, like we we got bowl eligible and had to drop ship gloves to our uh, hotel in Hawaii. Um, that wasn't expensive at all. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I don't want to have. That's what I want to avoid. Because it's Southern. We had we drop shipped all of our bowl stuff. I will say ninety percent of it. I think we had like maybe the travel suits we were able to get in time. Um, but like 90% of it was drop shipped to the hotel. Me and one other student and our head guy, Adam went out um, two days early and worked until about midnight for two days. And we got it all into nice little neat piles with the bowl gifts for everybody that was on the trip. And that was just not the move. That no, no, no. I mean, I went, I went advance on the Hawaii bowl trip so we could get down, square away the bowl gifts, get them. Like we had them literally in each guy's hotel room. So when they got there, you know, they had like a backpack of stuff waiting for them. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like I couldn't imagine dealing with that and going through like sizes and everything. Cause I brought, you know, you have all your size sheets and you already oh, yeah. have it all planned out, but you just, you got to double check everything. Cause you never know. Um, but I couldn't we imagine doing had, like all the bowl stuff too. My gosh. Dude, we had the entire ballroom. One of these big ballrooms was full and it was like players one through like based off their locker number. It was like what locker one through like one thirty had a pile and we would put down everybody like what what's that shirt is he? Here it is. Put down their shirts, shorts, like their other shirt, their hoodie, whatever it was. It was like five pieces of clothing. 
and we did it for one through 129. Then we did it for all the coaches. Then we did it for all the administrators. Then we did it for all the equipment staff. Then we did it for all the trainers. So like from the front of this ballroom to the back, you had just piles of clothes. And then we went in and did bowl gifts on top. And then the last thing we did was we did, it was um, the game was played on like Christmas Eve. So we put, one of the things we ordered from them was like a wooden, it was basically a Christmas ornament, but it was like a bag tag. I think mm-hmm. the tag up might've done them, but it had the bowl logo on it and their name on the other side. So that got put on top. So then when everybody arrived, we blocked the entrance with a fold-out table and just one person sat there and then it was like, name, and you ran to the back and got it, brought their stuff up to the front. They signed off that they got it and left. And it was it was about an hour of just you sprinting back and forth in this room. No, thank you. No. I mean, you got you got to do that kind of anyways. I mean, like I said, we, you know, I think that was the only school when I was in Nevada. That was the only time we ever did that, like put the stuff in their rooms. Cause otherwise like, yeah, you just have a stack of, you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Stack of gear and you're trying to block it off as best you can so that it's not like a mad rush for stuff and just try yeah. to keep it as organized as possible. Cause it's going to be a disaster. Bowl games are going to be fun no matter what. Anytime you got to move your operation to another city for a few days. Yeah, we've talked about that, like packing a truck and doing all that crap. Like, it's a fucking disaster. Yeah. I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> just put a beep. I'm just going to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, I think that's going to that's gonna do it for us. <laughs> I think that's it. As Patrick goes into full-on PTSD of the equipment life. <laughs> just have a thousand-yard stare. Mm, yeah. Thanks for joining us this week, and um, we're going to try and have a guest for y'all next week. We're planning some stuff out, trying to get some cool guests, and we're also um, maybe in the process of getting us a new sponsor. So stay tuned for that. Um, Scott, do you have anything? I'm moving. Um, I'm moving on Thursday and Friday. This is like the final push. So if anybody wants to come to Huntington, West Virginia, and just you know unpack a box, let me know. What's in it for me? Nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> I will give you nothing. <laughs> I'll smile. I'll be I'll be grateful. My wife might come up with some kind of goodie bags if anyone actually showed up, but you know. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. I have nothing okay. left to give. <laughs> Sounds great. I won't be there. Um, Good. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. See ya.